Hello, welcome to Hattrick. I'm Jordan Dollar Coltman, joined by Elliot Tanti and Braden Dollar Coltman. And I got to check before we get going here. Um, do I sound more like I'm ready to do a Chevy commercial or a Ford commercial with this uh, voice from my lingering cold? Because personally, I think I sound a little bit like I could do a the Chevy Silverado best the in class. Legend of the Chevy farm. There you go. Whiskey There's an old Edmonton called up. I think it'd be more like it's so dramatic your voice change that I think it's more like <laughs> one of those one of those car company that's like not traditionally a, a, a truck company. So they right. they like really play it up because they're trying to break into the market. You're like a Toyota Tacoma salesman. A Toyota Tacoma best in class. Yeah, you still yeah. got that southern twang though that works yeah, we should cut yeah, a bunch yeah. of promos right now we should do <laughs> roma pizza and donaire um busy vegan all right here's the deal <laughs> we have a, a few things to get to today um we'll try to keep it short and snappy but you know how it goes uh we had great feedback on last week's episode we had a, some great debate and some great fun um, this week, I don't know where this is going to go, but we know where we're going to start. So let's get to it. Here we go with topic one. Okay. Topic one, big weekend of football, big weekend in general. There's just lots going on. I moved. Uh, I know you guys are both probably busy. There's lots of things going on. Hockey's starting to pick back up. The Oilers are finally getting to play some games. Canadian teams are starting to get some games. And then those poor Canucks are now getting all the COVID tests positive when all the other Canadian teams are over the hill. So uh, if you're a Canucks fan, who knows what the next week and a half may hold. But uh, if you're an Oilers fan, you know, maybe they're Ooh. able to turn the corner. We'll see. We'll get to the Oilers in a minute. Um, but let's start with the NFL because what a huge divisional weekend. We we all did some predictions last week. And I know, you know, I can't even, I'm not going to waste any more time with this. Boy, oh boy, did Tanty polling, hashtag Tanty polling, take a beating. Let me turn it over to Elliot, who has our predictions from last week. But it didn't go well for you, buddy, did it? No, I wouldn't be buying stock in Tanty polling right now if you had the option to. We might have to be rethinking our... Uh, our football uh, projections because I went one in three last week. And mm-hmm. and what's embarrassing about that is just, I was so overly confident in oh, yeah. it last week. Oh yeah. Go back pick. and listen, go back and listen. I, Every like, time Braden, I was, pick, he was yeah. trash talking. I was just like, no garbage. You guys are wrong. Every I don't think week, you've been watching the game. I was, uh, yeah. I, so I was, I was really bad. Congratulations to you, Jordan. You went three and one last with this weekend. Yeah, you had three I, and I was almost there with that Bills game. That was a close one. The Bills, yeah, and I, that would have made me zero and four. And so uh, <laughs> I, I went to overtime, and I was sweating. I was like, "Oh man, I'm, yeah. not, I'm probably not going to. I'm mean, probably going to hear about this anyway." But yeah, so Brandon, just before Brandon, you didn't just, just before you give us who get, who 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 the picks were, um, let me just give you a quick rundown here. So um, we'll go in the order the games are played. So on Saturday we had the Bengals Titans, and the Bengals squeaked that one out with a field goal, nineteen to sixteen. Um, so Joe Burrow and the and and the Bengals uh, get to, get to keep going. The 49ers and the Packers played in very snowy Lambeau Field there in in Green Bay. What may have been Rogers' last game with the Green Bay Packers because another field goal won it for the 49ers in a, a tight one. That was 13-10, uh, and I say tight only moreover because it was a snowy game where there just wasn't a lot of scoring. Uh, but again, it came down to the last second field goal. And then Tom Brady in what could be very possibly his last game, uh, losing today to the Rams on a last second field goal. Every one of these games gave uh, 
thrills right through to the very end. And the Buccaneers in a classic Tom Brady um, drive right at the end after it looked like the Rams had a little bit of a, a, of a stranglehold. The Bucs found a way to get back up on their feet, charge down the field. And they and they forced the Rams to kick a game-winning touchdown field goal, and they did. And then, of course, the Bills and the Chiefs. What a classic that was! And uh, you know, just another um, slobber knocker of two amazing young quarterbacks. We talked about a length last week, but uh, Mahomes and, and and Josh Allen going back and forth and back and forth. And it looked like the Bills had finally um, climbed the mountain when they they had 18 seconds left on the clock after they took the lead with the touchdown. But 18 seconds was all that Mahomes needed to get down the field. They tied it with a field goal, and then they never gave the Bills the ball back. They wanted an overtime, 42-36. So those are your rundown. There's your Sports Center update. Uh, Elliot, how did we do? Uh, who was right? I mean, we know you were wrong on most of them, but uh, but let's see how it goes. Yeah, interestingly, all different records. You were 3-1. and one. The only one that you picked wrong was, like you said, the Bills, and it was close. Raiden, well done, 2-2. Two and two. You had the Niners almost and the Bengals. Three and one. Almost three and one. And I went one and three, almost oh and four. Because the <laughs> only one that I picked right was the Chiefs. Uh, what a week, hey? You know, for me, it's so interesting. And this is kind of the thing about NFL football is that, uh, and why the playoffs are so much fun. Every favorite won last week. And almost every favorite, every home team favorite lo- uh, almost lost this week. It, it, except yeah. for the Chiefs, who we were except able to pull it out at home. But the Bucks. Packers, Titans all lost at home in and were heavy favorites going into each of those games. So it's yeah. just a crapshoot. But a great week of football. All the the only I watched every game, the only or a part of every game. The only game I missed uh, was or majority missed was the Bengals Titans game. But otherwise, like, just really a great week. How could you miss Cincinnati Bengals? How could you miss Brady Joe Burrow well, and the Jamarches? Well, unfortunately, I don't think they're going to make it past the next round. Um, so, Jordan, I've never heard anyone ever use the term slobber knocker. And for those who don't understand what that means, I had to look it up. And it refers to a match or contest that is particularly hard, hard fought or physically aggressive. You nailed it with that definition. But I've never heard of something called a slobber knocker. <laughs> And I really hope never to hear that word again. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it a lot up. of fun. A lot of fun. The football, the the Chiefs and the Bills game was. You said a classic. It it will forever be one of them. Like the they said, what was like twenty five points in the last two minutes of the football yeah, game. It was crazy. And then overtime. This yeah, it's it's awesome. It's really- not a great, not a great uh, last little bit there. The fourth quarter, if you're a fan of defense, because sure. both Josh no. Allen and Mahomes just picked the uh, opponents apart. And it, I mean, it came down to a coin toss because literally I think the result may have been the exact same the other way had Josh Allen and the bills won the coin toss because he probably would have sliced through and, and, and got a touchdown too. They were both so sharp offensively, both of those teams. And unfortunately for the bills, I mean, I feel for the bills. You got to remember this is a franchise never won a Super Bowl. They went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all four in the Jim Kelly era. I mean, that has got to be one of the like most astounding and yet heartbreaking uh, stories in the history of sport. And for the next two decades, they were the lowly bills. They just couldn't put a winning team together. They got stuck in a division with Tom Brady and the greatest team on turf with, with the, the way that Bill Belichick just destroyed them year after year after year, there was never a chance. And now, you know, they've got this superstar quarterback and an opportunity with a really good team. 
um, to get there. And it, 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 I don't know, it felt like, and this is why I picked them. I really felt like this was going to be the year that they figured well, dude, out Kansas city seconds left, but there's That's a reason there's a reason Kansas city has been to four straight conference yeah. championships. They are, they are the best team right now. You have to go through them to get to, to the super bowl. And, and now it's up to the Bengals to see if they can slay the giants. And I don't know, it'll be a tough one before we get to the next week's matchup though, fully uh, Elliot, any final thoughts on this weekend? Yeah. Just on that bills and chiefs game. Doesn't the outcome of that game just make you so frustrated about the way in which any, the NFL deals with overtime. Like what did, did, wouldn't, wouldn't you just want to see Josh oh, Allen? Yeah, yeah. Come back and go the other way. I mean, yeah, I like, like, like very, college football. Yeah. There are very few. Yeah. Like college football or even there's very few and things. The CFL that, too. The CFL is better than the NFL on, yeah. but one of them yeah. is how they decide close games. Like yeah. here's what you do. You give each team the ball once. If you get a touchdown, you have to go for two. If you match the other team's score, then you go and do it. You get another two possessions. That's, and, and a safety ends, it, you know, that is, or, or you know, a, a, a deep possession ends it. That is, that is how this should be played. They should, the bill should have had at least one to should have touched the ball in, in overtime. What about, well, what about in like hockey overtime? It's sudden death. Whoever scores next wins, right? Yeah, but presumably both teams have possession and it's a very different game. Like there's back and forth and like very rarely, sometimes you see like a team win the faceoff and go down and score. But really like generally there's chances being traded back and forth. And actually the three on three has really improved the overtime. But I think yeah. in a position, in a possession based game uh, like the NFL, I think you have to, give both teams the ball. And I think I, you know, the, 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 there was a Super Bowl that was ended. Uh, I think it was Falcons Patriots. What about two on two NFL oh, overtime? Geez. Just, the just, qu- just, just, just the quarterbacks and receiver or tight end. Here's why ah, Here, right there yeah. would be a slobber knocker. Yeah. Here's a different, here's a different take on that, Elliot. I don't, I don't know if you, I, I mean, I'm not enough of an NFL fan to really know if this is something that bothers most people, but you got to ask yourself, like, was there not more the Bills could have or should have done after scoring the touchdown to go ahead? The way they kicked off, it ended up as a touchback, giving them field position at the 25. Yeah. Like, do you not have kickers who are good enough in this league to do, I don't know, a little bit more of like a coffin corner or try to pin these guys or like, I don't know if a squib kicks the right choice. You don't want to give Mahomes no. possession any further up, but like you got to yeah, try a little bit harder to down that ball. You know, deeper and in there. The no, maybe they too. get the run back. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Uh, it just yes feels like no. there may have been. It also yes felt like no. the minute the. It felt to me like the minute the Chiefs got the ball back, they were going to tie the game. Like it just felt inevitable because of how good Mahomes is, and it felt that I said this to Larice, who who was watching with me. We only watched kind of the last five minutes of every one of these games. To be completely honest, we were just we've been moving all weekend, but we kept. I was keeping track of the score on my phone. And every time I was like, this game's going to come back down. Like this, this game is also coming down to the last couple of plays. But the chiefs, once they had the ball, it felt like the bills showed just a, a, just a little bit of the inexperience that they had not yet been in this situation um, or didn't feel like they were ready for this stage. And it felt like it was almost inevitable that they were just going to give up that and then it felt the same way in overtime it's the pressure got to them it felt like maybe i'm wrong but well i think your, your point on the kick is yeah maybe you find some way if you if you can 
you probably direct your kicker to if, in the ideal situation, kick it between the, the end zone and the five yard line and give them the longest run back. But there's, there's, there's lots of situations where if you're giving them a run back, you're, they're actually getting, ending up with ball position better than the 25. So the 25 is fine. Like that's with 13 seconds left. That's a lot to do. The problem was they didn't want to give up the big play. So they dropped their safeties and, and they, they didn't want to do everything over the top. And what Mahomes is able to do, because he's got one of not, if not the best tight end in the league, just put the ball in Kelsey's hand. And Kelsey is like amazing. And he got, he got underneath the, he got in between the coverage and the, uh, and the deep coverage and they were able to make a pass. And then he was able to run up to get into field goal range. Uh, I think they, they did the right thing. Like that's, that's the, that's what you should be able to do. But what you expect out of your secondary is to make a tackle downfield. And they had two plays to do that. And on both plays uh, they gave up too many yards after the catch. That's the problem. Speaking of Kelsey, like, we're in like the golden age of tight ends. I mean, it starts with Gronkowski and I mean, Aaron Hernandez, but that's a whole different situation, but like on the field, an amazing tight end. And you've got these um, like right now you've got Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, both still in the playoffs, amazing tight ends. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the Raiders have the Dar- Dar- Darnell uh, uh, Waller, I think it is. Or Waller, 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 and, and, yeah. and they, ju- and, and the Falcons just drafted pits. And like, oh, it just feels really like man. the NFL is evolving into more and more, of like to be an elite team, you must have an elite tight end. I don't know if that was always the case or not, but it feels like we've got more of them as stars than we do even wide receivers right now. Like this is a special time for tight ends. Well, that's emerged because of the increased passing in the league, right? And having that underneath route or that that bigger body that can that is difficult to track as they may yeah. be blocking in some schemes and catching the ball in others. Uh, and just the like the physicality of that position, like those guys are six seven, and some of them are the fastest on the field. Like they're the, those guys are the the physicality required to to do that job is immense. And it's sort of like you know after the quarterback, um, you know you your tight end can be the most important piece of your offense if if you're playing it right. And that's really emerged in this new sort of like pass first NFL generation. Tight ends so- and slobber knockers. <sighs> I'm surprised you've never heard this term. Never in my life. It's not. Uh, it's not. Ellie, you've heard of slobber knocker? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What? Because because yeah. But like, it's because I have friends like Jordan that are like 31 <laughs> going on 87 and have to oh. terms like that. Okay. All right. Well, you learned something new. Um. Here's a. Here's. Let's just quickly touch on two of the other games. Um. Anybody notice that on the winning field goal for, for the San Francisco 49ers, the Green Bay Packers didn't have the correct number of men on the field? No. They had they had they were so a man snowy? short. That's crazy. No, they were a man short. Um, like you're trying to block a, a game winning field goal attempt. You gotta have the right number of men on the field. Am I wrong? <laughs> that feels like an unforced error. Um, any thoughts no. on Aaron Rodgers and, and Green Bay's game there, uh, Elliot? Did that uh, su- I mean, it surprised you. You thought they were going to win, but but any other thoughts on that one? Yeah, just to that point on the field, I mean, most teams will have like a standard field goal group and then like a block group that's, and so they probably just got screwed up and, and who was supposed to be out on the bit field. Of a, bit of a bad time to get screwed up. Oh yeah, your last your last play of your season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think your note about last game for the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, I think is right. I, oh, I yeah, think sure. I think he's, I think you've he's seen. I think Aaron Rodgers has seen what Tom Brady's done at the Bucks, 
and he's going to go find some team that plays in warm weather where he's going to get, you know, a massive contract and be the star and close out his career and try and prove that he can do it in another place. Uh, Cause I think green Bay's got serious personnel issues. I mean, that's like I said, was when I was talking about Aaron Rodgers being MVP, it's sort of a mess around him. And it always has, it has been for the last little bit at least. And uh, I think he's kind of, he wants a team like the bucks that are built to win and that have, lots of players and gives him a chance to win another Super Bowl before the end of his career. So yeah, that right. was a good point. So if you look at the, uh, the Vegas odds, which of course came out the second after uh, they went, they went through um, they have uh, the, the Packers are still quite high. They're, they're tied for, for first in the odds category with the Broncos and then the Steelers who obviously both need a quarterback yeah. now. So well, the Steelers are going to get a really good quarterback that, they're in position. They're in a really good spot to get a, like something to really make them better. I think Miami could be a dark horse there too. Yeah, well, I guess we'll see what they want to do. Um, Braden, you want to jump in on 49ers Packers, or can we talk Rams Buccaneers now? Yeah, let's talk Rams Buccaneers. So here's my thing with the the Rams, and I just like just for a moment, I, I think it. You know, I'll take my lap. I I was the only one who was willing to risk the the other. Uh, in the Buccaneers matchup, because last weekend when we recorded on Sunday night, we didn't know yet if it was going to be the Rams or the Cardinals. I said very declaratively, if it's the Rams, the Rams are beating the Buccaneers. And I believe that. And I stand by it. I mean, it was obviously a close game. It's Tom Brady. It's going to be a close game. But the Rams look, I mean, I still, I think these Rams are completely capable of, of hosting uh, the second Super Bowl at home in a row because the Buccaneers hosted last year and it's the first time in NFL history and they could be doing the same thing at their brand new stadium in Inglewood. They are really good and on their best day, I think that they're, that they're better than, than the, the teams that, that are still in this, honestly. Um, maybe not, you know, we'll see who they meet in the Super Bowl. If it's the Chiefs, that's probably the, the most difficult opponent. But honestly, Matt Stafford has waited a very, very long time to have this kind of team in front of him. He is um, statistically a Hall of Fame quarterback who had never won a playoff game before this season because he'd been on, you know, the only team that has been more painful to, to be a root, a supporter of than the Bills um, or the Bengals <laughs> in the Lions. But Cooper Cup came up big, made huge plays. Odell Beckham Jr. didn't have the same kind of game he did in the first round, but he was there for them. You know, their defense is terrifying their defense is really good and made it hard on tom brady and sure he put 27 points up on the board but not without challenge and struggle and 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 again these rams man the only moment where the rams defense failed them was jalen ramsey getting confused there on the very last buccaneers touchdown and for a split second it looked like that was going to be the mistake and whoa would that have been such a such a storyline if the Buccaneers had held on to win it but that final drive for the Rams too talk about like under the gun and under pressure I mean you've just witnessed Tom Brady do what Tom Brady has done to so many teams including the Rams in his first Super Bowl he's marched down the field with so little less than a minute left on the clock he's put the ball in the end zone he's taken the lead and he said all right come get it and Matt Stafford did exactly what he had to his receivers did exactly what they had to do you see how excited Matt Stafford was after spiking that football? He knew where, what they had achieved just in that moment. Sure. They still had to make the field goal, but like, you know, it wasn't a 60 yard attempt at that point. It's a chip shot. 
in a you know in 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 good weather <laughs> you know we're not yeah. playing a lambo yeah, yeah. Uh, and the rams get to host the conference championship game now so they have a potential of now st- being the home team in the championship round and in the super bowl if they can if they can pull this out i'm telling you man don't sleep on those rams i think the rams are a great story this year and they certainly have the easier path to get to the super bowl <clears throat> in the in that they play san francisco next week uh, so, uh, you know, I think your points are, are well made around, you know, they, they, I think they're very likely to host the Super Bowl game and be in it, to be completely honest with you. I was a little concerned with their second half uh, and the collapse. I mean, they give up 24 points in the second half of the game and really only scored. Well, they scored 10, but, you know, like they're. But how much of that is Tom Brady? Only But Tom Brady's not playing defense, right? They, they, there was, they, you know, the, the Bucks did figure them out in the second half a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, so, but I think, you know, to, for the, the, for your money's on them to make the Super Bowl, Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, are, are they better than, than KC or whoever's yeah. coming out of that? I don't, I don't think that's so. another question. We'll right? I don't think um, so. I, I, I liked, I liked that game. I think that like I'm with Elliot, they, they let 24 go by them in the second half, which is a bit of a collapse and maybe just, you know frantic energy trying to get to the end of that game they but, also had yeah. four turnovers too like it that's, was that's very, concerning well, too. this yeah. is the turnovers in the last five minutes for both teams it was crazy yeah. right wasn't there not a fumble each way and then a, like mm-hmm. just unbelievable how quickly that game was turning you could just you, you you honestly you know you don't know which way it's going until the the the, the final the final you know bells rung um but yeah, let's jump ahead. We're, we're running a little late on this topic. So let's jump ahead to our conference championship matchups. Elliot, get your pen ready. We're going to make some more predictions here. This will be a little bit easier to track. Um, we've got the Bengals Chiefs. Uh, Braden, I, I'm assuming um, that you're going to stay with your boy, Joe Burrow, against Patrick. Mah- I don't know. I don't know who you're picking. Who you got, Braden? Bengals Chiefs. I think Burrow's and. Jamar Chase are going to have a really great game, but I, I, I just don't know how, I don't know how Pat Mahomes can't continue the, the, you know, the spark that he had in this game and the, and the whole season, the last, how many years he's been playing. He's, this is his game. This is his game to lose. And I think he's not going to do that. I think I've got the chiefs. All right. Elliot. Yeah, it's hard. It's so hard to bet against the Chiefs. I think I got to take the Chiefs in this one. Similar for similar reasons. Like I just think they're the best team left, uh, and so it's really hard not to not to pick them. Yeah, well, just to be the 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 opportunist, I'll jump on the other one just for fun. I've did pretty well this week with underdogs. I don't think the Bengals have a shot in this game, but I'll pick them anyway because I that's who I will that's who I'll root for. Uh, just because I love an underdog and you know, like Joe Burrow, it's a good story. Look, he had a tough, you know, a tough, a tough freshman year when he's knocked out with an injury and, you know, he came in with all this promise of rejuvenating the Bengals and the fact that he's gotten them to a conference championship in his sophomore season is, you know, I don't think it's unprecedented. I'm sure there's some other quarterbacks who've done the same thing, but it's probably beyond the expectations. Even Bengals fans could have had. It's fantastic, you know, and, and now that Josh Allen's gone, you know, he is the fresh face new guy in the crop of the three other quarterbacks that are in these, in these two championship rounds. He's the youngest guy. He's got the most to prove. And I think he's got a great opportunity here to really, um, you know, put a solid foothold on you know the beginning of a career that could be really really special if he can do this with the Bengals, take them to the super bowl my god the Bengals are their time is coming um all right so there you go two chief picks and one bangle let's jump to the other side we've got the 49ers rams 
Um, I'm going to take the Rams. I'll just jump out. I said, I, I said, I think the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Frankly, I think the Rams are going to win the Super Bowl. I'm not going to go that far yet because we don't know if they're there. We were not making our Super Bowl picks, but I would be, I'd be willing to put money on it today. I, I really do believe they will host the Super Bowl at home. Um, and I think that they're, they, I think that they will have, they'll have um, a little extra, you know, zip at home than they did even on the road here against the Buccaneers. That, you know, that could be part of that second half, a struggle there too. You were playing against a very noisy crowd, a very hostile environment. Now you get your fans at your back and, you know, they, these are not the chargers. They have fans in LA. The Rams fans are loud. They're passionate. They're excited. And now they've got something even bigger to cheer for. So I, I'll take the Rams. Yeah, I'm going the Rams too. And, and it's mainly because the guy that, that nobody hears mentioned and that's Aaron Donald. I think that he's uh, I think he's a superstar and he, he, you saw how devastated he was losing last, uh, last year in the playoffs. I think he's got a lot to prove this year and uh, yeah, it's going to take it. The Rams. I'm going to go with the upset. I'll say San Francisco. What the hell? There, there, there's a world in which San Francisco goes in there and surprises them because they're such an oh. underdog. So I'll, uh, uh, and I also think San Fran's better than people expect. They've been really hurt by injuries the last two years, particularly last year. Um, Garoppolo is going to have to have an amazing day. Uh, yeah. That's, that's going to be part of it. Um, but that's not necessarily out of the question. And so I'm not going to, I'm going to take the 49ers, but that's a, that's a loose pick. Well, you know, to, to, to pump your tires a little bit. I mean, the, the 49ers beat the Rams in the regular season. It was an overtime game. So it was a tight game. So we should be, I mean, if, if, if everything holds true, we can expect another tight one, hopefully, or at least another exciting one. Um, but yeah, they, they won 27, 24. Uh, I guess that was in week 16. They play 18 weeks this week, this year, 17, yeah. 17, 17. Okay. So week 15, then the third to final game. So they've seen each other recently. They know each other pretty well, but you know, Jimmy G is a good quarterback and this team looks healthy. You're right. It could be something we'll see. Maybe the pressure gets to the Rams at home, trying to get to that Super Bowl at home. All right. Uh, those are our picks. They're locked in. And uh, I guess next week we'll see how we do. That was topic one. Hey, if you're a fan of Hattrick Sports, then I promise you, you are going to love the Backyard Basketball Podcast. Hattrick's very own Braden Dollar Coltman sits down every Wednesday with his best bud, Christian Steck. And together, they break down all the news, rumors, transactions from around the basketball world. Whether it's the NBA or college hoops, these two guys love talking basketball, and you are going to love listening every Wednesday on the Backyard Basketball Podcast. All right, topic two. Uh, it's kind of Oilers related. Um, it is Oilers related, but it isn't. We're not going to talk about the fact that they won and beat Calgary, which I'm, I'm sure everyone took a deep sigh of relief, and especially Dave Tippett, who I think um, was very much uh, head in guillotine uh, had that game been lost just because that. I mean, they would have they would have been forced to do something. The pressure was very high, but talking about pressure, that's what I wanted to dig into here. Just you know, this can be a brief topic, but. It's interesting, you know, we, we, we got into it a little bit last week about what was wrong with the Oilers and what needed to fix. And I, I brought up one thing that I think bore out a little bit this week, which is the fact that I do believe that during this struggle, the Oilers have, have shown some weakness and some fragility as an organization and a, as a group of players. This is really getting to them. Now, obviously, COVID is a huge part of this. They played two games in like 14 days before they got to play Calgary on, on Saturday night. This is a hard thing for a group of players who are used to playing every other night and they're going to start playing every other night in fact i think they have three back-to-backs in in the next like month and a half because of the 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 rescheduling but 
Um, there was a, a heated exchange at a press conference earlier this week between Leon Dreisaitl and beat reporter for the Edmonton Journal or Post Media, uh, Jim Matheson, who is a Hall of Fame writer. He's been around for a very long time in Edmonton. He covered the Oilers in the 80s. Um, you know, definitely a, a decorated writer, a veteran of Edmonton's media scene. Um, but he's an older gentleman and Dreisaitl and him got into a bit of an argument. Uh, he asked Dreisaitl what he felt was wrong with the team. Dreisaitl responded everything. Leah, or, uh, Jim Matheson asked a follow-up saying, well, can you be more specific? And Leon said, no. There was a brief moment. And then Matheson came back and asked him, why are you so pissy? Dreisaitl asked him to repeat himself. Basically said, excuse me, pardon me. And he repeated it saying, why are you he just so said, pissy? Mm-hmm. No, why are you? Yeah. Why are you so pissy, Leon? And Leon obviously said, I'm not, no, I'm not pissy. You know, nobody likes losing it, but it, it definitely was a, a moment that kind of caught a lot of people off guard. And then, you know, Matheson followed up with a follow-up question about you showed some emotion on the ice the other night, some, some anger and some frustration. Is that a good thing to show the opponent, which Leon just laughed at and said, no, obviously yeah, not. A great thing. Yeah. That's and sarcasm. That's right. Yeah. So obviously a heated exchange that got a lot of attention immediately. You had all of the fellow, uh, writers and a lot of different journalists from across the country jumping into Matheson's defense as if he'd been slapped in the face by the athlete as opposed to have just been pushed back against. Uh, a lot of people also on Twitter defending Leon saying, what kind of question was that? How do you ask a player? Why are you so pissy? Clearly these two gentlemen, um, you know, both feeling the pressure of uh, the current situation for the others. But what I, what, I, what I guess I wanted to dig into here is it's like, I mean, Who's in the wrong here, or, or or is anyone in the wrong? Is this just a is this just a uh, consequence of the sort of the current culture or toxicity that's going on around the losing streak, or is there more to this? Um, I'll just caveat it by saying it was very interesting to see Leon's press conference prior to the game against Calgary because he was in a much more um, forthcoming mood. Um, he did have a very positive comment about explaining he knew uh, he really he knew that the team really wanted to win this one against Calgary for the city of Edmonton and for the fans in Edmonton because he knew that they were um, struggling and frustrated with how the team had been playing and that the Oilers are you know proud to play for these fans. Um, so it was definitely it felt a little bit like he was making a, a, a bit of a not 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 a concession but a bit more of a statement saying this isn't about you know us and, and versus anybody else. But then he also went out there and proved it on the ice. He scored two goals in the win against Calgary. So, you know, Leon kind of gets the last laugh. Braden, I'll, let you, I'll go to you first. How, do you, how did you take this whole exchange? It was incredibly rude and uncalled for. Like, I don't understand how, how anybody would, would respond in another way that he did. The fact that he's asking, why are you... It's just like, it's rude, man. And, and start, ask, start asking better questions. His yeah. first question was, what's the one thing that's wrong with the team right now? Like, what kind of a question is that? They've been losing 14... They lost 14 games in a row. And every single night, night in and night out, they're asking the same damn question, which the Oilers are answering every single day in, in different kinds of ways. And, and it's like they're running out of things to say, which is the, another thing Jim Maston ended up saying was, we, we, we don't know what to ask anymore. It's like, well, are you a Hall of Fame writer or not? That, that part really frustrated me. And as a fan, it's frustrating because you're seeing, you're seeing them, you know, so much pressure in the city, so much pressure for them to win. You know, like it doesn't help. It doesn't help anything. I, I just, I don't understand how 
Like when I heard it, it was like, take that guy's credentials away. Yeah, I just, I don't think you're taking away the credentials of Hall of Fame sports writer Tim Matheson because you didn't. But that kind of disrespect, he, like how, <clears throat> where's the reprimand for that? I don't think that he needs one, deserves one. He's the media. He can ask what he wants. That's that's sort of the deal. And and like, whether we like the con, the con, like what I don't like is the conflict between the media and the players, but the media is, that's their job to, to ask uncomfortable questions and to put people Are in you uncomfortable situations. Well, I think the second part, the second part of it was, in, this is not because of the response to one question. I mean, it's been made out to be like, this is, but this, there's been an ongoing sort of back and forth between Matheson and Dreisaitl for a sure, while. Sure. And I think that, and I think that there, what unfortunately happens with Leon Dreisaitl because of the way that he plays and his demeanor in general, when he is flip because he's angry and frustrated, it comes across as not caring. And, and that I think was Matheson's response was like, what do you just not care? Like, you don't care about this. You don't care. You don't care enough to answer my questions. Well, what's the expectation around you? Like doing that. I think this is the culmination of just the shitty situation that the media are in and covering the team because of COVID. You used to be able to have private one-on-one conversations and someone like Matheson, who's not a TV guy, but a print guy, where you can get in and get to know people's family and talk about their lives and have much more intimate and better conversations. And, and, and how Jim Matheson has gotten the stature that he has is because he's been really good at getting to know players and getting information and getting great stories from players. And for the last two years, he's been severely handicapped in the way he can do his job because all he can do is go on zoom or go to the press conference and ask two questions. They can't be in the locker room. They can't. And you're starting to see this, you're seeing that impact with with certainly older members of the media, but particularly the print guys who who that sort of relationship is sent due to the fact that they're able to get into dressing rooms is central in what they can do for their work. When you're asking the question publicly in front of everyone, everyone's getting it. You're not getting any exclusive. You're not getting anything unique or different. You can only look at stats and find so many unique different stats or weird things to write about. You're really, they're missing that human side. And I think it's, there's a lot of frustration with the Edmonton Oilers and surrounding the Edmonton Oilers. But I, I also think there's immense frustration from the media because of the lack of access to players. And this is this is an example of the culmination of it. Is there someone is there someone right or wrong in this? No. Do do I think you know? Am I gonna st- stand here and do the 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 Matheson defense that every other member of the media gave to him? No, because I just I, I'm not in a position to I do don't that. Get that. But, I don't get that. But uh, well, th- that's a whole other thing. There's a code, you know. There's a code in hockey. There's a code in media too. Um, but there should, yeah, exactly. There should be a code and in, in somebody should be stepping in saying this is unacceptable. You, you can't be saying this kind of shit. No, but he was frustrated. I mean, he can ask the question. These players received enough media training to be able to dodge that question if he, if he got it. I don't think Leon's response to it was all that great. He could have shut it down right there and made himself look a lot better in the situation. But he's pissed off. Like everything about the situation so, is shitty. But there's immense Why frustration. ask him that? There's immense frustration in that. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I think, uh, you know, I'll give some credit to your idea, Elliot, that there's definitely like a, a strange dichotomy, especially for these old guys, you know, these guys who ha- had an, like Matheson and Terry Jones. I mean, 
there's two conversations I have here. Let's just quickly point. I'll do the first thing and then I'll take my stab at the the, the Edmonton the Oilers beat reporters because I'd love to do that. But let's go with this first. The, the, this exchange, um, you know, the journalist shouldn't become the story is the challenge here, right? Yeah. And that's what ended up happening, right? Because he both both people, you know, let their frustrations, I think, dictate their actions in this situation. It was an inappropriate thing to ask the way he asked it. You know, I think I think he shouldn't have allowed his own personal emotions to come into it. He was upset because, look, he was looking for I mean, let's be honest. All these guys are looking for are two or three sound bites to plug into a story they've already written. That's what the, that's that's what print media is these days. Right. Jim Matheson's already written the article with the perspective he's going to put on what's wrong with this team. He needs he needs they get two usually two players who come out to the podium. It's not like they're going to get huge amounts of, you know, detail oriented gold here. What did he expect Leon Dreisaitl to say to, to a question? What's wrong with the team? You know, Leon's not going to say, well, actually, we've noticed that, you know, when three of our players are playing more than 22 minutes, it's a game we we struggle and when the power play you know doesn't get 14 like what the fuck is he expecting in that question it's a, it's such a loaded question to begin with what's the one thing get out of, like come on but but you're right i think there's a history there there's some struggle there here's the thing i have with 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 the current crop of edmonton journalists who are given the opportunity to have conversations with these players and i think i went off a little bit on these guys last time we had a conversation about the Oilers, especially about the whole holland press conference and, and all of that state state of the union for the team some of these guys need to retire and give up their credentials to some younger and fresher perspectives some new people with some new voices maybe a few more women maybe a few more people with some diverse some diversity and some diverse ideas look every single story about jim matheson led with he's a hall of fame journalist i don't yeah. give a shit if he's a hall of fame journalist or if it's his very first Probably day on the job kind of let's let's talk about the specifics of the moment terry jones jim matheson mark specter even they're like reporters for Sportsnet and Rogers, or who's it like Ryan Rashog? Okay. Maybe you give him a, he's just, he just breaks news. He doesn't know if there's no other opinion there, but Gene Principe, like how are any of these guys employed? There's gotta be better people who could be doing these jobs. Even the color guy, what's his name? The bloody Bob Stoffer. Talk about Bob stop like stuffy. Oh my God. Can we get some fresh people in there? What a breath of fresh air. Like Jack Michaels has been on the, television broadcast because he's new and different and does it a little differently and isn't that well, great he's, new. he's not that new he's, so he's not new but the way he does play that. by play is different than the old crop yeah, he's not jim yeah. Houston. he's not bob cole you know yeah i know of course of course i don't I'm think just, you're wrong I don't i'm ready for wrong. something new. jim jason greger is the only guy who i even have time to listen to because at least he has real conversations about this stuff but most well, of these guys are just regurgitating the same shit over and over I think in some places you're right, in some places you're wrong. I would disagree with Rashog. I think that I think the TSN guys, so that would be Gregor and Rashog, are actually really good. Rashog yeah, does uh, so much. Rashog can have a pass. That's fine. <clears throat> I think you know Bruce and and Mark Spector have been problems. I actually don't mind Jim Matheson most days. Like I said again, and I disagree with your point. It's like, well, he's already written the story. Well, that's how he's doing it now. But that's not that's not what gets you to the. To the level of stature that Jim Matheson's gotten to. That's like my point. I said, he's doing that being, now. That means it's probably time to call it a day. But it's no. But it, that's that's a product of that's a product. No, that's a product of of COVID and the impact on the media. That's not that's not Jim Matheson's lazy or, or, yeah. or giving up. I think there are folks like. 
like that. And, you know, uh, we've all got strong feelings about Bruce and, uh, and, uh, and Mark oh, Spector, Mark but Spector. you know, like, you know, like the, the, that's fair. And I, and, and, and to your point around diversity and just in all senses of the word, completely with you, completely with you on, on, on Bob Stoffer. It's difficult. The other thing I would say, just going back to like the relationship right now that's accentuated by COVID is you need access, right? And so you have this difficult balance between finding interesting stories and being critical of the team and asking tough questions, but also maintaining your credentials and maintaining your access to the team. And in this press conference world that they live in, you don't have the opportunities for those feel good stories that kind of maintain your credentials. So it's very complicated. Like the, the media relationship with the team, there's tons of, it's incredibly problematic. The fact that the team owns 630 Chad and essentially can just use it as a propaganda arm for the organization is for me a problem. Uh, but the, this is this is more complex than like these guys are fossils and we need to get them out of here. And unfortunately, that's where this conversation oftentimes ends. Well, here's the thing with it. This is OK. So I'll, I'll push back on that one more time because I do believe this. Like we've had conversations about Major League Baseball losing its audience because yeah. it isn't adapting. And here's the thing I think that the NHL or these specific organizations have to be very careful of moving forward. Your audience is going different places to get its news and get its media fix on these teams. Younger people are not reading the Edmonton Journal. They are not digging into, you know, Jim Matheson's uh, journal article every day. That's just not true. They're going to Oilers Nation or they're going to blogs and they're going to social media. The athletic. And the athletic, they're going to other places where they can get that in a on their phone and, and they can get it and tap right into the, the the other channels that they're already connected to. And, and none of those organizations like I mean, the athletic does, but like you're not getting those bloggers with access. There should be like, I, you know, there should be way more opportunities for those less credentialed people to have access to the to these players to this organization whether it's like a, you know like a, a rotation of who gets in and out of these press conferences you know but like there are really quality writers and uh, guys who are writing articles for the, for Oilers Nation even and I'm just giving them free publicity but the truth is like there are guys who are writing for those kind of blogs or fan sites and stuff that frankly are writing more in-depth analysis of what is going on with this organization then i think a lot of the hardcore quote unquote like mainstream journalists are doing and the truth is that's where the fans are going to get that information and if you're the oilers organization or you're any organization vancouver doesn't matter anywhere in canada where hockey matters you gotta you gotta start thinking about how do we get our message onto those platforms how do we get our players uh, voices onto those platforms how do we make sure that the people who are writing the stories about our team are are getting to ask the questions to make sure that they're, they're legitimized because that's where the fans are going, you know? Yeah. And I think that there's a, there's a missing opportunity there that isn't about pushing out the old guard, but like, let's be honest, every one of those press conferences has the same four or five people asking questions. And I think yeah. that there could be a bit, you know, a bit more open, mm -hmm. open and, and, and I think it would be refreshing for the players. They don't have to listen to Jim Matheson, ask him the same question every day. Maybe he just doesn't like Jim Matheson's voice. I don't know. I mean, that's what makes him pissy. It doesn't matter though to me. Like going back to that comment, it's so disrespectful. I, I think, I, like to anybody, to any league, sure. I, I get their media. They can ask whatever they want, but that kind of thing, just like it's rude. And there, I don't, I don't feel like that. That's a necessary thing to do. I just that that's really frustrating. On one end, I'm really happy that Leon did handle it the way he did, which was just 
this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, you're, what do you ask? You're, I'm, I'm giving you questions. Matheson said, well, not very good ones. Like, and then to see Leon put up four points the next night, like that's, yeah. that's good. That's what you want. And that, and that's where you want that answer to come. Maybe, is, maybe, is we on need the Leon, maybe we need Leon Drysaddle pissed off more often. Well, didn't they lose six nothing first, and then they won on Saturday? Like they, no, I think, I think the press conference was, was after the game. Was it before uh, Florida? It was. It was. Before, it was. Before I think it might have been before Florida. You know, one, <laughs> one, one last thing on on the, the media thing. One really nice kind of story that came out of that was I don't know if you either of you heard Brendan Perlini's comments oh, in the media. Great. It's just like it's so refreshing to hear somebody so eloquently talk about positivity and and like let's let's there is a way out of this. Let's just yeah. let's not just talk about the X's and O's hey. of our game. Uh, I want know, more Brandon so Perlini. More. I want more Brandon Perlini on the ice. I want more Brandon Perlini in front of the mic. I don't know if you guys saw him on After Hours. He was great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They made a joke about, are you still busy? But like, Brandon, like, hey, you want to keep your job, Dave Tippett? Let's see more Brandon Perlini because he is he is exactly what this team needs right now. He's just that positivity energy-wise. I'm lucky he's producing on the ice. Where the hell has he been all year? Let's go. And NHL, uh, Edmonton Oilers, you can credential hat trick sports and yeah. uh, we'll be there asking the, asking the hard hitting questions in a very respectful manner. Thank yeah. You. I wasn't bringing that up because I was trying to be like self serving, but honestly, like I, I think that there's space for some new voices. Anyway, uh, that's enough of that for now. Let's leave it there. The ordinary podcasting network is excited to announce that we have launched a merch store on our website. The store is full of ordinary swag, including t-shirts, hoodies, and hats. You can pick out something awesome and support your favorite podcast today by heading over to OrdinaryPodcasts.com. We're going to do hats off. Um, Anybody want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first because I don't think uh, Braden has his yet. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I am going to tip my hat to one Naomi Osaka who was uh, ousted from the Australian Open this week in the third round, but uh, in the aftermath of that had a very good press conference where she spoke one about her mental health challenges and the challenges that tennis uh, have have given to her. Of course, we all know, and we covered this on the show, there was great backlash when she removed herself from uh, a major open last year. Yeah. Yeah, Citing uh, mental health concerns. Um, And, you know, we talked that through back then and had a great conversation. She's back now. She's playing not the result that she wanted, um, but really spoke favorably about how she's been working on this. And this is something that she knows um, that, uh, that she has to work towards and that while she was disappointed in her loss, it was not the end of the world. And she was, it wasn't as damaging or as, as difficult as it had been in the past, which, you know, to speak openly about your mental health in any scenario is very brave, but that she needs to do it. And also is talking about working on it and how it's an important piece of her work. So, uh, moving forward. And I just want to tip my hat to her for being open and honest and coming back and uh, always will cheer for her. Disappointed that she lost, but as she said, it's not the end of the world. Uh, and uh, she will be taking, she mentioned that she'll be taking the schedule uh, in stride and be doing things when they feel, uh, tournaments when they feel appropriate. And hey, you know what? Uh, that's maturity and, uh, and, and putting yourself first. And so tipping my hat to Osaka this week. It's a great one. Okay, I'll go next. Um, mine's from the hard court but uh, not from the NBA. Uh, Mine is actually from women's basketball and the NCAA. Um, 
my hat goes off this week to Aoka Lee, who poured 61 points in to set an NCAA women's record, a uh, single game scoring record for Division One. Scored 61 points, not a single one of them from beyond the arc. Those were all two pointers. She and uh, she led her team, the Kansas State uh, team, uh, unranked to a romp, a huge win, 93 to 65 over number four, Oklahoma. So a big upset and an unbelievable night for, for Lee. Uh, like I said, 23 um, of 30 shooting from the floor, all of them two pointers for the Wildcats. Just fantastic. Um, uh, really, I mean, it's just very, very impressive. And I take my hat off to uh, an up and coming superstar, probably uh, a, a future WNBA player, Aoka Lee. Braden. Round of nice. I'm tipping my hat off to the greatest shooter of all time, Stephen Curry, who uh, uh, he made his first ever um, winning buzzer beater really? <laughs> of his whole career two nights ago against the Rockets. Um, they're having a really great season, the Golden State Warriors. But yeah, surprisingly enough, he's never won a game with a buzzer beater. And this was his first. So hats off, Steph Curry. Greatest shooter of all time. Um, you gonna talk about that on the show this week? You got a show this week? We do, yeah. Check it out. You, 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 we missed, out we missed you last week, but we got you this week. So we'll talk about we'll have that up there. That's the backyard basketball podcast. All right, boys. Great week. Good, good, good discussion. Lots of lots of football talk, lots of media talk. And we'll be back next week with uh we'll see, we'll see how Tanti hashtag Tanti polling does. With you only got two games now, Elliot. It's much easier than four. Uh, obviously, you struggled with four, so we'll see. No, no, um, no. You want more options because then that improves your percentage because you have more chances to be right. It, this is when it, it starts to did get not stressful. help you. Did not help you. Go 49ers. All right. Uh, that is our show for this week. We'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Thank you all for listening. And uh, thanks, guys. All right, that's Hatrick. Patrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Dyler Coltman and Braden Dyler Coltman. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include Treaty 6 territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these lands for generations. And we extend our appreciation for the opportunity to live, create, and share stories on these territories. The Ordinary Podcasting Network intends to engage in conversations and dialogue, which acknowledge that reconciliation is not a destination, but a journey, and that we remain committed to practicing our craft in a decolonized space.